Today we are talking about resurrection. As you, I'm sure you can tell by all the songs. Resurrection is the reason we're here today, isn't it? We think about uh, uh, resurrection specifically, of course, when we think about the centrality of Christianity is, is the resurrection of Jesus, which, of course, we commemorated his death, which we only do that because he rose from the dead, right? If he just died and that was it and that was the end, we would not be doing the Lord's Supper, right? We, we are here because he rose from the dead. And we are also here because we believe that we will rise from the dead, right? That's one of the reasons, again, that we're here today, because we believe in the concept of resurrection, that he rose, that it will be a thing that happens for those who believe in him. Now, Revelation, we looked at a passage last week in Revelation I want to begin with today as we think about the unique language of Revelation to describe judgment and last things. Of course, we read last week, be faithful unto death, or this is actually, the uh, yeah, I think we read this last week, Revelation 2, verse 10, be faithful unto death, I will give you a crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Now, the, uh, John, of course, is receiving this vision from Jesus, and he's receiving this vision of last things and all this stuff that's going on, and he introduces this idea of the second death, which has an interesting implication, right, of the first death and the second death. And then he introduces another idea later on in uh, chapter 20, verse 5. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This was the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and they will reign with Christ, uh, reign with him for a thousand years. And then verse 14 of the same chapter, death and Hades at the very end were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And as Revelation so often does, right, we have this idea, this unusual language. In this case, first and seconds. We have first resurrection. We have a presumed second resurrection. We have first death. We have second death. What's going on here as we think about this? The second death is pretty easy to understand. We looked at last week, right? The, the lake of fire, the eternal destruction. We considered the word hell last week. What then is the first resurrection? And first is a little bit of a, a symbolic thing, right? We understand that. We have to be clear about that because I think the first resurrection is in the Old Testament. Way back, way back yonder. Uh, there are several, of course, instances of, of resurrection throughout the Bible leading up to the resurrection of Jesus. So when we think about the literal first resurrection, well, that happened, you know, millennia ago. What, so what does this mean? What is this language that he's using here? Acts chapter 24, we understand, as, as we've looked over the last few weeks at the idea of judgment, I hope we understand that resurrection as a concept, again, we're thinking about as a concept, a thing that can occur will happen for everyone. Actually, 4 verse 14, according to the way which they call a sect, this is Paul talking about his ministry. I per, uh, worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. Resurrection is coming for all. Everyone, literally everyone who's ever lived, will experience resurrection. Now, there is a little bit of a difference, of course, right? He says in 1 Corinthians 15, those who are, are it, it may be us, may not be us, those who are still here when Jesus comes back, right, will be changed. And yeah, we understand that. But this idea of resurrection, not just of the righteous, but the unrighteous. And so if those who share in the first resurrection, because we have this understanding, there's a resurrection that's going to be for everyone, just like there's a death that's going to be for everyone, right? 
Everyone's going to experience the first death, again, except for those who were here when Jesus comes back. The death of the body, that's a thing that's for everybody. There is a resurrection that is for everybody. But there's a death that's reserved for those who are unjust. And there's a resurrection that are reserved for those... Before we dig in, again, we must be clear. This idea of symbolism and figurative language in Revelation. Many people have different ideas about the last day, what that's going to look like, what does this first resurrection mean, and, and what is all of it entailed. We can't let the end obscure what matters right now. Which the question of the day is, how do I share in the first resurrection? If those are going to be those who are going to not have to worry about the second death, which I don't want to worry about. I am, I guess, a little worried about the first death and the experience of the first death. But part of the first resurrection, this idea of resurrection that we are waiting for, means that I don't really have to worry about the first death. That's going to happen. But really what I'm, I'm trying to avoid most of all is the second death. In discussing the first resurrection, there is a serious warning in, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. See to it. That no one takes you captive by philosophy, empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. This is not the only reason that this is a warning in the Bible, but this is tied up in this idea. There are a lot of ideas in the world, a lot of philosophies and traditions and ideas that are not according to what Jesus cares about or what Jesus wants. We have to be careful in our discussion of such things. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled with him who is the head of all rule and authority. We continue reading. In him you, who are, uh, you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Again, all of this stems from what? All of this stems from Christ's resurrection. And we have to understand that as we begin and we, we dive in, as we dig, I wanted to mix up dig and dive. As we dive into this idea of what, what resurrection entails, we understand it all stems from the first thing that Jesus did, right? The circumcision of Christ. His resurrection is what makes all of this possible. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Death comes for all it is inevitable. We understand that. But many people are dead right now. Not physically, but spiritually. They've died. They are spiritually dead. Anyone who has sinned has been separated from the Holy God is dead in your trespasses. Dead, not in a physical sense, right? Not the death of the body, but the death of the soul. The death of that which will endure eternally. He says it again in Ephesians 2 verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Wrath. What is the children of wrath? What does that mean? The wrath that he's talking about there, that's the second death, isn't it? The lake of fire, the end of all things. That is the wrath that we are destined for if we are listening to the, our own passions, carrying out the desires of our body and mind. We are the sons of disobedience. That's the wrath we're looking 
uh, looking forward to is, I guess, a little overstating it. That's the wrath that awaits us, isn't it? The second death. We don't just need new life eternally. We need it now because we're dead in our trespasses. We keep reading in Ephesians 2 verse 4. God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. I want you to note, this is all past tense. The words are all past tense. Things that have already happened. From there, of course, from their perspective and from ours. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us through, in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now again, we understand the through line here. We need to understand the through line of what? What is the love? By the great love with which he loved us, that's the death of Jesus, isn't it? The sending of Jesus, his death, burial, resurrection. That's the through line that unites all of this. But I want us to understand... We were dead and have been made alive. What is that? If not, resurrection. A bringing to life of that which was once dead. And again, I want to understand, this is not future tense. This is not something that will happen. This is something that has already happened. For those who have experienced it. Not everybody has, right? Not everybody has experienced this resurrection here. We were dead. We've been made alive. We've been, and he even uses the word raised, right? He has raised us up with him. Again, something that's already happened. A thing that is, is ongoing in our experience of the relationship that we have with God. If you're in this room, you've been dead before spiritually dead, separated from God, awaiting the wrath, the second death that is to come. But if you have submitted to his will, if you've been united with him, if you've put on Christ, then you have experienced resurrection. A resurrection of your spirits. Of course, it's said in another place more eloquently. And we, we, we dug into this, this text in our Bible class. We're, we're going to dig into it again. It was not, I didn't plan it that way. It just sort of happened that way. In Romans 6, verse 5. If we have been united with him in a death like his. If we have died. Now, again, we have to understand the symbolism here. There's some symbolic language here. Don't get so caught up in the first and second and all those different ideas. Because... We were dead, right? That's the thing that happened. We're spiritually dead. And now we're talking about another death. If we're being united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Again, that's not talking about physical death, right? If we have died with Christ... We believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Now, if you remember, we'll read the verse again at the end. The verse that he said to Mary in the, in the reading. I am the resurrection of the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, will still live. And the one who believes in me will never die. He says both of those things in that text. We'll read it again at the end. But what do we see here? Again, we were dead, dead in our trespasses. That's one kind of death. Now we see another death. I have to die. I have to crucify the old self. I have to put that to death, the thing that was already dead. And you can see how the symbolic language gets a little complicated now. But what are we looking forward to? Resurrection, right? If we've been united with him in a death like his, 
What was his death like? Well, it was a physical death. We know that's not what he's talking about because everybody's going to experience that. Everybody's going to experience the physical death. So that's not what this is talking about because that's not the thing that makes us united with him. What is a death like his? It's a death of will, a death of self-control, a death of what I want. Isn't that what we see in the garden? He says, not my will, but, my, but, but thine be done. That's the death, the willingness to obey even to the point of physical death. That's the death like his, of killing what I want, killing the old self, submitting to the will of the Father. If I've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that the old self was crucified with him in order the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Because why? Because we've been raised with him. Isn't that what he said previously? We, he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's a thing, again, that has already happened. This first resurrection. There is a second resurrection that is coming. A general resurrection. For everybody, the just and the unjust, the wicked and the righteous. But I want to share in the resurrection of Christ and not the other one. And if I want to do that, then what? If I want to share in his final resurrection, the resurrection that, I, that will allow me to avoid the second death, if I want to share in that one, I have to share in the first one, the one that he has already done, his death, burial, and resurrection, which we were commemorated again in the Lord's Supper. But we think about every day, hopefully you're thinking about this every day, by killing our own will so that God can raise us up and we can walk in what? He says in another place, walk in newness of life. Again, that's not a future thing. That's a thing that happens when I make that decision, that I can have that newness of life. We have to be clear. The resurrection of Jesus did not enable resurrection for all, because that was always going to be the case. That was always going to be what it was, that judgment is coming for everyone. And what is required for judgment to come? You have to be raised, right? You're dead. You have to be raised to face judgment. That's going to happen regardless, one way or the other. The resurrection of Jesus did not make that possible because that was always going to be the case. And it is because that everyone will face resurrection. That is the very thing that makes the resurrection of Jesus matter so much. Because I know I'm going to face resurrection one way or the other. I need to make sure that I can have the resurrection of life. The resurrection of Jesus enabled a particular kind of resurrection for all. First, spiritual resurrection on earth through the cross. Resurrection of a spiritual nature that, again, I want to be very clear about this. Hopefully, if you're in this room today, you are spiritually alive. You have been made alive, even though you were dead through the resurrection of Jesus, through his cross, through his blood, through his power. And then secondly, ultimately what? The resurrection of life in judgment leading to eternity. The question is not, will you be raised? Because that's happening. That's happening one way or the other. The question is, have you been raised? Have you experienced resurrection? Spiritual resurrection. Being dead and separated from God. Dead in your trespasses. Living according, what did he say? According to our own will and desire. 
carrying out the passions of the flesh, doing anything that is that I want to do, living for self is dead. But then to experience the resurrection of Christ, to experience his power working in our lives when I do what? When I kill the old me. I put it to death so that a new me can rise. And so we end with John 11, verse 19, which we've already read, but is so central to what we do every day. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went, and of course this is, again, you see this sort of interplay of these ideas because Lazarus is dead, physically dead. He's, he's dead, he's gonzo. And there's a confusion, a little bit of a confusion between how Mary and Martha are talking and then how Jesus is talking and, and Jesus, his understanding of death and resurrection and, and Martha's understanding of death and resurrection. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him and Mary remained in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I wonder how she would have said that. You know, I, I often think about the phrasing of the Bible stories. You know, was this sort of sad? Was this bitter? Was this resentful? You know, like, was it rueful? Ugh, if, you'd, if only you'd been here, he would still be alive. Or was it accusatory? If you'd been here, he would still be alive. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And, you know, it sort of seems like he's just sort of, if you're thinking about it from an earthly perspective, you know, the sort of, cliched, oh, it's going to be okay, everything's going to be okay in eternity, and I, I think that's indeed how she takes it, right? Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day, and it's, again, we see this talking cross-purposes, because Jesus is referring, of course, to physical resurrection here, right? That's what he's referring to in, in the case of Lazarus, but more generally, we know that there's an eternal principle here. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you see the interesting interplay of words here? As he presents two different scenarios, the one who dies and the one who lives. And again, we see two ideas. The one who dies physically, he'll live again in eternity. The one who dies spiritually, he'll live again in spiritual nature. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. I hope that's a statement that you can make. When we think about immersion, we've talked a lot about immersion today between class and today. You know, we talk about repentance, we talk about immersion, we talk about confession, the making the good confession. This is a pretty good instance of the confession, right? What are we supposed to confess when we submit to God's will? This is pretty good. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. I hope you've made that confession already. I hope if you're in this room, you've said that before others, and you're willing to say it again and again to anyone who asks, who is Jesus? He is the Christ, the Son of God. He's coming into the world. That's a statement that still rings true for us today, right? And why does it ring true today? Because he rose from the dead. In a physical sense, he rose from the dead. But more importantly for us, how that matters for us is that we can experience both the first resurrection here on earth, resurrection of our will, of our newness of life, ultimately looking forward to the second resurrection, the resurrection of life that leads to eternity with God in heaven. And if you're here today and you're not sure 
what you're waiting for, if you're not sure what awaits you, today is the day to make that right. Because when's Jesus coming back? I'm glad nobody answered. I don't know. Nobody knows, right? I don't know. Could be today. In which case, you would have missed your chance to have that first resurrection. If you're ready, come while we stand and sing.